0: So, I had the opportunity at an early age to learn a lot of the spiritual disciplines that we encourage today. Things like reading the Bible, journaling, um, spiritual reading. So, at different times in my life, you know, I've been getting up in the morning and reading scripture and journaling. And it's those particular mornings, especially when I'm on a streak of a few days, that I just feel felt spiritually invincible. Have you ever just kind of felt spiritual? Because you're like, man, I'm in the Word today, and I'm thinking about positive things, and I've checked my devotions off the to-do list. So for a lot of years of my life, I would do that. I would participate in ways to connect with God, ways that made me feel spiritual, But then I wouldn't translate that spiritual truth into a very important aspect of my life. And that is the area of strife. So today I want to talk to you about overcoming strife because it's something that I've struggled with in my life, but God is helping me get the victory in that. And I'm seeing that it is just a key way the enemy attacks our life a key way that the enemy wants to, go, to get a foothold into our relationships, into our marriages, into our family life, into our parental life, into our friend groups. So it is that we're entering a season, a season where we're gonna have more conversations with people, more relational time, more chance to hear other people's opinions, This is an ingredient for strife to abound, but God wants us to overcome. So I'm the baby in my family. I'm the youngest. of. I have a brother and a sister, and among our cousins, I was the youngest of us all. And so I developed this little hobby in my life. I didn't really realize this. You know, when you're the baby in the family, you're the mascot. You're the one who's always making people laugh and you kind of observe from a different standpoint. So we would have big family gatherings with my extended family. And even as a child, I developed the sophisticated ability to uh, throw a verbal hand grenade right in the middle of the dining room table. I'd just take that plug off and I'd just say something, just kind of toss it out there. It may be reminding people about something that happened in the past it may be bringing up an issue that was controversial. I just picked up on these relational nuances and just launched those kind of verbal grenades that caused disruption, caused people to argue and just enjoyed my meal as people went back and forth. Then when I was 20 years old, I got my first job at a church and I was the youngest staff member probably by 10 years. I mean, and so I would go to staff meeting, and I kind of picked up different things among those relationships, and since I was the low person on the, the organizational chart, and no one paid that much attention to me, I just kind of launched these little verbal kind of stir-it-up statements and saw chaos just go off, or just saw disruption occur, and, At that time, I just felt innocent to me. It felt like it was something that was not that big of a deal. It was just part of my personality. It was part of my role in the family. It was part of my role on the staff. And as I get married, you know, with the person you love the most and know the best, you can push their buttons the best also. So I've stirred it up with my wife. Sometimes on this stage, preaching God's word, I've stirred it up. As As a parent, That happens, too. It's fun to tease your children, but you can really, really irritate your children if you take it too far. And no doubt, I'm sure I've done that, too. So the Holy Spirit has been working on me for a few years now and helping me realize that um, this is not just a simple expression of a personality. This is not a, a role in birth order. It's not just a role in the organization Um, This is something that's very much attached to our relationship with God and our application of scripture. So this is what I believe God's wanting to do today. God is wanting to um, position Aaron and position you in these coming weeks to have healthy relationships. And we can make some decisions today that will set us on a path For healthier relationships. This word strife, uh, we we all kind of have a working definition of it. I think it's somewhat self-explanatory, but just to give us a definition, you may want to write this down because it's not on the screen. It's not in your notes, but strife is unhealthy conflict between people. Unhealthy conflict between people. I say that because as we have studied and analyzed conflict more, not all conflict is bad. There is healthy conflict, and that may be a conversation for another day, but there's times when things need to be uh, discussed in appropriate and healthy settings. But unhealthy conflict causes strife, and it breaks up relationships. It tears up alliances. It causes parents to be separated from children. It causes siblings to not get along. It breaks up friend groups. It's destructive to marriage. And strife is a serious, serious strategy of the enemy. I mean, you may even look and say, okay, here's the message today, overcoming strife, that this is some kind of simple, easy listening kind of message. But it is something that a spiritual mindset that shakes up a strategy that the enemy has to destroy your life. The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy and the most valuable things we have in life is relationships and yet strife is damaging, separating and sometimes destroying relationships. And though we, I see the smiles when I was talking about my childhood and my early adolescence and my adult journey and I appreciate your smiles but what I have done in the past and what I am vulnerable to do now is really not a laughing matter. That's, that's not a correction to you. It's a judgment upon me because um, strife is unspiritual. And that's my first point today. That if we want to have God's perspective and bring God's heart into every environment that we're in, that means we're bringing the heart of God the workplace. We're bringing the heart of God to the the team we're on or the choir we sing in. We're bringing the heart of God to our friend group. We're bringing the heart of God to um, our, our 242 group, our women's Bible study, our men's Bible study. We have to make the decision that strife is unspiritual. Because for whatever reason, we've accepted in Christianity that as long as we're reading scripture and praying and maybe tithing and maybe attending church, like that's good enough for us to live however we want to. Sometimes we have identified huge moral issues where you can easily divide and put people into two categories and we're on the right category. So we're like, we have our quiet time and we are doing our spiritual deeds and we're on the right side of a divide on certain social issues. You could be like I was much of my life and think, I'm spiritual. Look at all I read this morning. Look what I, what I journaled about. Look what I thought about. But when I was bringing disruption to my family and bringing disruption to the workplace and, and I was not only tolerating strife, but promoting strife, that was an unspiritual, ungodly thing for me to do. And until we decide, and like until you decide strife is unspiritual, you'll never want to change. You can't repent for something that you don't disagree with. I think that's correct. Let me, let me say this. If you don't think something's wrong, then you're not going to repent. That's, that's what I'm trying to communicate. So if you think, well, strife is just part of who I am, I'm going to stir it up. I'm going to disrupt. I'm going to give my opinion. I'm going to set it straight. And you do that, not to bring the truth of God's word or God's heart to a situation, but you do it as a hobby or you do it as just a, an expression of your mark or your personality, not under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, then that is an ungodly thing to do. And, and guys, we need to repent of that. Some of us need to repent of strife in our life, of being an initiator of strife. First Corinthians chapter three, verse three says, you are still worldly. Okay, why are you worldly? Which means you're not heavenly. Since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? In other words, strife is evidence uh, that the kingdom of darkness is at reign. Peace and love and harmony and unity under God's word is evidence that his kingdom is coming. In Proverbs chapter six, there, there's an interesting scripture. Uh, it says that God hates six things and actually says, well, he actually detests seven things. So there's seven things God lists in this passage in Proverbs six. And we're not gonna look at all of them because it'll take our minds to all these different places. But in verse 19, as it concludes the list, it says, Um, A lying, lying witness who gives false testimony, we would agree. And one who stirs up trouble among brothers. So if we are trying to stir up strife, if we're trying to stir up conflict, if we're trying to get other brothers and sisters against one another, this is something that God hates. God hates that. But for whatever reason, at least in the church cultures I've been at, we've been very tolerant of that sin. We've been very tolerant of that as if it's just an expression of people's personalities and it's just the way things are. But I just know in my life that the word of God has judged me and, and God's called me to bring peace to the places that I encounter. Peace to my family. Peace to where I work. Peace to my neighborhood. Peace to my community. This is Jesus kind of stuff my wife Beth is a an amazing lady she's an artist she's a great great musician singer great pastor great speaker she can do it all and um, one of the things that she does occasionally is cook this amazing amazing bowl of soup there's one particular recipe she has that is like awesome it's like the Shekinah glory of God in a pot man this soup is so good I mean, it's just awesome, awesome soup. So she makes this soup and kind of goes through these spurts where she's making it a bunch, giving it, off, giving it out to people. So one year she made that soup, and she had mentioned that a friend of hers that I did not know had moved into our neighborhood. And so I didn't know who this lady was, but uh, Beth was excited that she was in the neighborhood. So she said, I'm going to make her my soup, the soup. And so she made it. Um, and then we left town. We're driving down the highway and, um, Beth goes, ah, because when she, she does that occasionally just screams out. I'm like, what's happening? Are aliens attacking the van? What's going to happen? And she said, I forgot to give soup to my friend. And so I was like, well, fine. We'll put the soup down the disposal. It's no big deal. But the next thing I know that she is on the phone with this lady who I've never met telling her how to break into our house. (laughs) I'm like, what is going on here? So she tells her how to break into our house and says, just go to the refrigerator, and there's a pot of soup in there, and take it home. I'm, I'm driving down the road thinking, what in the world is going on? I mean, I'm actually getting stressed. I'm like, who is this woman, and why are you letting her in my house, and why is it so important for you to give her this soup. And then this is what I was thinking. Uh, you know, we, we have a house that we do basic chores like all of you, but, you know, we don't keep it ready for the real estate agent to bring someone over all the time. It's a house we live in. It's a very livable house. And I'm, sitting, I'm, I'm thinking that my gym socks I had taken off after basketball are laying in the living room floor. And I'm like, why are you wanting this person to come into our home to see my dirty socks in the middle of the living room? This is terrible. And so as I was having that anxiety attack, um, I realized that maybe image is just a little too important to me. Because my wife, what she cared about was blessing this person. What I cared about is protecting my image. So here's something that I want you to think about when it comes to strife. Is felt culture. Is more important than image projection. Felt culture is more important than image protection. Let me unfold that for you a little bit. The word culture is a really popular word right now, and I think it's a good word. Culture can be defined a lot of different ways, but one of the definitions I like is culture is the space between us. It's like what you feel in a room, it's what people feel in the church. Um, here at CIL, we can, we, we can write down what we want our culture to be, but culture is not what we put down on a piece of paper. Culture is what people experience. Culture is what people talk about when they get in the car and drive down the hill. It doesn't matter what we write down. It doesn't matter what's on paper if it's not felt. And it's what people feel that defines the culture we've created. We could talk about that for a long time, but now let me translate it to your life. Because in your life, how do people feel when they're around you? How do you make them feel? What, what type of felt culture is there in your home or in your office or uh, in the environment that that you do recreation in or wherever you are, wherever you sit at the concert you attend? What's that felt culture there? Because that's more important than the image we project. So in this case, uh, in the story that I told you, I was more concerned about people and what they may think of the cleanliness of our home because I didn't do my chores. Beth was more concerned about how they felt being welcomed, welcomed into our neighborhood. And as I think about the holidays, I just want to encourage you with something. Don't be that person that has the perfect table to put on Instagram and the perfect temperature of all your food, but you tick everybody off because you're not loving. Hey, we all had that temptation. I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to myself, and I'm letting you listen in. We don't want to be that people that has everything perfect at the expense of how people feel. Now, some of you can pull it both off. I've been to a lot of your homes, and you guys pull it off, and we feel it, and we experience just great art, because I understand culinary expression and hospitality is an art in itself, and all of that's beautiful, and all that is good, but if it has to be one or the other, let's choose relationship over image. Let's choose what people feel over what people see. Proverbs 17.1 says it this way, better a dry crust with peace than a home full of feasting with strife. How many know that this is It's ancient as the hills, what we're talking about. This has nothing to do with Instagram pictures. This has everything to do with human nature. That it's better to have warmth and love than it is to have perfection. And if you join me in trying to decide ahead of time that strife is unspiritual and that felt culture is more important than image projection, then we're at a much greater place. To overcome strife and to live, live the gospel, the expression of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus. I have an older cousin who I just really look up to. This guy, he was my hero growing up. I mean, I just love this guy. He was nine years older than me, or seven years older than me, and everything he did, I wanted to emulate. As an adult, he's a pretty docile guy. He's just, you know, a good family man, good employee, he just is not a disruptive person. A few years back, we were all on vacation together. And it was a terrible experience at the restaurant. Now, if you've ever worked serving food or serving drink or coffee or whatever, can I just go ahead and apologize to you on behalf of humanity? I mean, that is a hard job. And it's a very, very difficult job. And so I respect those of you who serve food and serve drink. This was in another state, and it was just... You know, and over an hour had had passed, and none of us got their food. our food. So my very docile cousin, who I look up to, just, like, had this very unusual moment. Like, he took charge, and he said he went and tried to get the food, and, and it didn't go well. So he just said, we're out of here. Everybody, out. You know, like, our whole family got up and left. And everybody was like, wow, man, Richard, man, he really took charge there. That was awesome. Um, and so... A few years later, um, I'm on vacation just with my family, the five of us, and I usually am always really patient with waiters and waitresses, but we were having a bad experience, and I think in my mind, I was thinking, you know, I want to be like my cousin, so four of us got food, but the fifth person didn't get food, and so I thought, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm not in Nashville, I don't pastor these people, (laughs) they don't know who I am, so I want to be like my older cousin. So I was just a little stern. It wasn't bad. I was just a little stern. And I was just, just I said, hey, this has been poor, very poor service. And I turn around, and I'm waiting to just see looks of adulation from my family. Like they were going to be so proud of me. And when I turned and looked at my family, they were just giving me darts with their eyes. And I get a verbal lashing from all four of them. They're like, dad, that was so embarrassing embarrassing. I can't believe you did that, and you overreacted, Dad, and Beth may have said a couple of things, too, and uh, <laughs> hypothetically, and uh, I mean, I, I just, you know, I blew it. I really did blow it, and, and it was inappropriate of me, and I shouldn't have done it. I told my 19-year-old daughter by text this morning, and I said, I'm going to tell them a very poor story. She said, tell the truth, dad, tell the truth about it. So there's two versions of truth out there. I thought it was just a little stern. They seemed to think it was something different. So, um, I made up my mind at that, after that experience, it was a terrible experience and I regret doing it. So I made up my mind that as long as I eat out, that I will never, ever let a waiter or waitress make me mad again. So that means that in my future, and it's happened since then. My food may be cold. My food may be wrong. My food may not even come out. And, and it's very likely, evidently, I don't do a good job enforcing uh, standards anyway. So uh, I just like it, it's over. Like, it's like, if I get good service, it's like a blessing from the Lord. It's not an expectation. It's like a miracle from the Lord if I get good service. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. And then I just expect bad service and, and, and everything works out that way. So making this decision ahead of time, Uh, helps me to, it reframes the way I think, okay? Here's here's my third point today. I want you to decide beforehand, I will not get angry quickly. I will not get angry quickly. So I I just made that decision that I I go out to eat a lot, and I'm just not going to get ticked about it. Because probably, they're probably going to get my order wrong. It's probably not going to be the right temperature. That's just, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying for me, that's a decision that I've made. I, when it comes to the people you love the most, your, your best friends, the family you're going to spend more time with, the family you may see once or twice a year, we usually get angry quicker with those people because we're not as concerned about image management, Instead, why don't we make a decision today that we're going to get angry very slowly? We're going to get angry very slowly. We're going, to, we're going to learn context. We're going to discover the facts. We're not going to get angry because you know that there is predictable behavior ahead of you. Someone is going to give you the same look they give you every Thanksgiving that ticks you off. Someone's going to ask you those same questions that offend you. Someone is going to bring up that certain issue that they know you disagree with because they know it pushes your buttons. Why not decide right now this morning that you're going to live beyond strife and you're just not going to let it get to you in the way that it has in the past? That's why what Brooke read earlier as our scripture, it's a great scripture, James 1, 19 through 20. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Guys, that's an aspirational verse. It's something that we all should make a goal. Knowing that it's not always as easy as it seems right now in this comfortable sanctuary. And and we're not going to get it perfect, but when we have at least identified it as a tendency, we can redirect ourselves with this desire to live up to Scripture. Proverbs 15, verse 18 says this, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calm strife. Why don't you and I be those people who calm every atmosphere we go to? We, we don't ignite it. We don't throw fuel on the fire. We don't, throw, we don't throw a verbal hand grenade. We don't make things worse. We make everything better. There's so much power in that. We wrongly believe that's a sign of weakness when it's actually a sign of wisdom and strength. And I just... Know this is that the ability to bring God's presence into every situation is a gift that we have for the world. Here's the last thing as gospel people, as people who have come here to center on Jesus, what he did on the cross, who he showed us he was in the resurrection. As we anticipate the reign of God, heaven and earth coming together, I want to remind you of number four. I am the image bearer of the Son of God. So when people look at you, they should see as the years go on, as time goes on, less of you and more of Jesus. This this is the progression of our faith. That's why when God settles the issue of heaven for us, we don't just disappear into heaven because there's things he wants to teach us here on earth and Moment by moment, conversation by conversation, day by day, season by season, year after year, little by little, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says it this way Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the lord now look at this part and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory this is from the lord who is the spirit this idea of from glory to glory means it's a process it means that we don't get sanctified immediately we receive heaven we receive salvation immediately no strings attached no works attached, we're all in, we're all in with Jesus because he's the only one who could pay the price for our sin, we're all in, but sanctification, little by little, day by day, conversation after conversation, attitude, choice after attitude, choice, word choice over word choice, it is us becoming more like Jesus and as we enter into this holiday season, we have the chance to step into our sanctification where people can hear less about our opinions because we care more about them than we care about getting our point across. Where we listen more than we speak. Where we bring grace with every conversation. Where we try to empathize with others instead of just waiting to, for our turn to make our story known. These are the great challenges that we have as we do life together. But we can become more like Jesus with every choice and awareness is half the battle. We're image bearers. We reflect the image of Jesus. Less of Aaron, more of Jesus. May may it be that we desire to bring peace more than we desire to land that joke. We desire to bring harmony more than we do to expose that person. We desire to bring the peace of God to the atmosphere more than we do to disprove that person's perspective or opinion. You may think that this is a simplistic and nice little sermon, but this is spiritual warfare. Because the enemy is coming through our words, and he's distorting our words, and he's distorting our our attitudes in such a way to bring disruption. Can I tell you that God wants healthy relationships between brothers and sisters of Christ, between people in this church, between people in small groups, between our church and other churches in the community, that God wants to heal what is broken. He wants extended families to love one another again. He wants for things that have perpetuated bitterness and, and has the fruit of that has been strife. The Lord is saying those bygones need to be put under the blood of Jesus. It needs to be submitted to the will of the Father. Someone has to be the first one. Someone has to reach out. Someone has to let the old story die. Someone has to be the mature one. Someone has to fight through those temporary emotions and go to the place of love because the place of love is a place of power. The place of love is a place, as Pastor Aubrey shared with us in worship, that it is what is eternal. It is what that goes on into the heavenlies. When We love. It's not about us being nice. It's about us being powerful in the ways of Jesus. So don't belittle your behavior. Don't belittle your choices. Don't belittle the culture of your family, the culture of your home, the culture of your office, because there is where the kingdom of God comes. It doesn't come so much in our services. God isn't going to look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful service attender. Well done, my good and faithful church culture uh, activist. He's going to say, well and done, my good and faithful servant. Some of us, we need to serve those we love the most. Would you stand with me? I just hope the Word of God is teaching us today. I hope the Word of God is teaching us today. I hope the Word of God is giving us wisdom. I just see, I see over you, I see more love in your future. I see over you more peace in your future. I see more of the kingdom coming to your family. I see in you long-term relationships. You you know, it's so good that you have new relationships, but don't forget the relationships that have been in your life for a long time. Some of you just just keep moving on. relationship to relationship. And the Lord wants you to maintain the relationships he's given you and expand to new relationships. But there's fruit that is good, good fruit. New fruit is good fruit, but old fruit also, also has something that we need. And so the Lord, the Lord doesn't want you to discount those people that have been in your past. Honor those people you need to honor Reach out to those people you need to reach out with. Bring peace where there has been division. Bring love. Be a carrier of God's presence. I'm just speaking over you the good things of God. I'm speaking over you the culture of God. And I'm just saying that you are the one. You are the one that is the influencer. You are the one who is the leader now. It's not someone else. You can't just wait for someone else to bring the the kingdom of God to your family or to your workplace or to your team. It's your turn. It's your time. It's your time to step in. It's your time to take all of those wonderful scriptures that we learn in the epistles and say, I'm going to live out that which I've been studying that which I've been studying and reading about is time for me to live it out in a self-sacrificial life so that Jesus is my all in all. So Father, we thank you Lord for uh, these scriptures today that were rich and good and convicting but also hopeful. The Lord says he is giving you great hope for your future. He says step into the hope before you. Step into the hope that's right before you that these scriptures are not here to expose you. They're here to inspire you. These scriptures are not here to show you where only where you're uh, short, but it's to take you to the place that is high and lofty, hidden with Christ. Father, as we come to this time of communion, we we dedicate these elements to you for your glory and for your kingdom. God, we pray that your presence would be in the bread and your presence would be in the cup. And as we lean into the gifts of God, Jesus, who is a gift of God to us, we thank you for our salvation. And we pray that Jesus would be known to us as we go to the Lord's table.